Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. This is Devlin Clark, and this is the show about the show. I am very pleased to be able to introduce you guys today to a couple of great MLB prospects. So what we got going on today is we have Ryan Gridley. He's going to be on here in about 10 minutes or so. He's a prospect in the Oakland Athletics Organization. And then we have Jordan Stevens, and he is a prospect in the Chicago White Sox Organization. And both of these gentlemen are going to come on and talk to us about their journey to the major leagues. We're going to start with Jordan Stevens. And then we will bring Ryan on. Jordan, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, thanks. Hey, I appreciate you hanging in there with me with the uh, technical difficulties that we were experiencing. Thanks very much. Yeah, it's no problem. I don't have too much going on today. There's one easier to do. Perfect, perfect. So how did you – so you're a prospect with the White Sox and their organization. Um Tell me what it was like to get drafted by them. Uh, it was it was awesome, great experience. Um, so yeah, so I was at Rice for college and um, had a lot of teams talking to me and um, a lot of teams that were high on the list on me and stuff like that. And then my agents called me uh, the day before the draft and they're like, I don't know why, but we have this feeling that the White Sox are really inter- interested in you. And uh, like really, I was like, well, we haven't heard anything from him. He's like, yeah, well, that's kind of how the White Sox work. He's like, the, the less they talk to somebody, the more inter- interested they usually are. And uh, they end up getting that one right on the head. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, you look at that organization, you know, that's an organization that at least at the major league level in the last two years has overgone a lot of changes. They traded, um, you know, they traded their center fielder, and they've made a lot of different trades to bring in prospects from other organizations, you know, Bobby Kopech and, and guys like that. Can you kind of talk about, um, you know, obviously I'm sure you've kind of looked through their organizational prospects a little bit. Can you t- kind of talk about the excitement that you have being in, a, being in an organization that has so many good prospects coming up through the pipeline? Yeah, it's, it's kind of like a, a double-edged sword in a way. It's, it's a good, thing, good way and a bad way. Um, like like I said, whenever I got drafted, um, it was a really big thing for me. We didn't have a whole lot of prospects at the at the lower levels, and so I was able to climb pretty well. And then all of a sudden, we just get an influx of all kinds of big name people. And so, for those of us that were already there, myself and there's many others, it's really good because we're going to be a top tier team within the next year or two, maybe three, and. Um, I mean, it's going to be fun, but it's, it's like I said, it's, it's a good and a bad thing in a way for some of the players. But uh, there's no doubt about it that the White Sox are going to be a very, very good team in the next couple of years. Absolutely, absolutely. So when you got that call, who who was it that called you? Was it their general manager? Was it the manager? Did they And they said, what did they tell you? Kind of walk us through that. Well, I was pretty much – and all whenever you actually get the call, your heart kind of stops and everything goes in slow motion. So I don't even remember. I don't know. I couldn't tell you who called me. Um, it was sure. it was somebody high up, and they're like, "Yeah, they're like so." Sure. Uh, 
so well, before they actually picked me there, I got a call and they said that um, they have three people there they're looking at for the draft spot. They said whoever gets back to us first probably going to take because they're going to sign us under slot. And there's three guys, and so I said, take it. Like, absolutely, let's do it. So, yeah, so I get the call, and uh, they just walk me through it. They say, yeah, we're going to we're gonna keep you as a starter, um, and then we're going to fly out you and two other – I think it's two other guys out to uh, Chicago. It's like They're like, you're going to be able to sign a contract there, do the tour of the stadium, stay in the city, bring uh, somebody with you if you want. And I brought my brother, uh, Jacob. And uh, okay. yeah, it was a uh, it was it was a blur for the most part. Right, I've got to imagine it was pretty surreal. Yeah, how long I mean, uh, you? Yeah, yeah, I was go thinking, ahead. yeah. You work your whole life for something, and and the call finally comes, and it's one of those uh, conversations you wish you could have gotten recorded. Right, right. <laughs> when uh, so when you. When you're going through the minor leagues, obviously, you know, you're kind of you're focused on your team and making yourself better and advancing to the next level. But you're also always kind of keeping an eye on the on the major league roster. Can you kind of talk about tell people what it's like to be a major or to be a minor leaguer? I mean, I think a lot of people don't realize just how much travel and grind there really is. Yeah, I mean, we I mean Especially, I got very lucky with White Sox. They, uh, so right after I got drafted, they kept kept me in Arizona from a whole for for the uh, remainder of that 2015 season, uh, which is actually a blessing that many people don't realize. Uh, so I didn't have to go through the entire grind of like our Great Falls. They call it a uh, Grinder Falls because you have a whole bunch of like eight plus hour bus rides. And after that, they sent me to High A and so on. And um, yeah, you have a whole bunch of uh, bus rides that are well over six hours. I mean, you're crammed up. Probably 70% of the guys have two people on on a uh, on a little row or whatever between the two seats. So you're riding right next to each other. Um, unless you're the start of the next day, then pitchers are pretty much always doubled up. The position players are going to be playing pretty much every day, so they need their their own space. Um, as far as looking to further levels, there's definitely plenty of us to do that. I mean, most of us have the MILB app, and if you're a starting pitcher, you usually check that out uh, every day or every week or so and see how everybody's doing um, just to see what you're doing compared to how they're doing. And I'm assuming that the position players do the same, but I'm not really sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Jordan, we got about five minutes left. Um, what are – you know, when you when you look at the MLB offseason, I mean, obviously, you know, you're a prospect, and you'll you'll be able to give me kind of a different view on this. But when you when you look at it as somebody who's not associated in the game, fans or whatever, what are your thoughts on why the MLB offseason has been kind of slow? I guess. I mean, I think I read that MLB trade rumors said that as of yesterday, eight of their top ten free agents are still available. Why do you think that is this year? You know, that's, that's hard to say. Uh, well, kind of hard to say. So I work out at uh, Fairchild Sports Performance here in Houston, and we have a lot of big-name people. Uh, we have Anthony Rendon, uh, Jameson Tyon, and, and another or a big guy is Jaime Garcia, who is unsigned yep. still. So I've heard a little bit of talk from them, and um, 
I heard a lot of it has to do with some of the bigger name guys. Like I think Hugh Darvish is still in sign, so a lot of teams are waiting to see where he goes so they can plan on from there on out. So I would assume that that has to do with the majority of where that part's going. But uh, I haven't experienced it myself yet, so it's hard to say exactly what's going on because I only hear what they say while they're talking to each other. Sure, sure, absolutely. What kind of go off of that? Tell me what the, what's that like to uh you know to be a you know eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one year old kid and you're working out with major league baseball players. I mean, you want to get to where they're at. What's that like? And have you kind of picked their brain a little bit? I've talked to I've talked to some of them. Um, I mean, I know Anthony Rendon knows me a little bit because we both went to Rice, so uh, we talk a little bit every now and then. And um, but that's one of the reasons why I chose to work out where I did is because I knew that a lot of professionals come in there a lot. I mean, I've seen Berkman in there a time or two, even though he's retired, but he still comes in there. Uh, I saw Josh Hamilton in there a time or two. Uh, George Springer comes in there, so we have a lot of big name uh, guys that that work through that place. And so that's the big reason why I chose it. Um, it's worth every penny. And I think this year's a, a big investment year. So we'll see where it takes me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you have a, uh, we got about three minutes left. Do you have a uh, funny okay. story that you can, that you can share with, uh, with the listeners, maybe like a practical joke or a prankster <laughs> moment from your, from one of your first two seasons or from one of your first seasons? Oh man, um, <laughs> there was a, a joke that went wrong. I guess I could tell you that. Um, yeah, so, let's so one of the field one. crew members. Yeah, so one of the field crew members. Uh, I think it was in high A. I don't remember. It might have been last year in double A. I don't remember. One of the field crew members. Oh, yeah, it was double A. They thought it would be a good idea to take some dog poop and uh, put it in one of the players' lockers, and. Um, so he didn't realize that they put it inside of a cup and shoved it in his little cubby part of his locker. Uh, and he left it there for, for months on end. And so he knew that uh, he always had the smell, but I guess he assumed it was clothes or something. I don't know. I would have figured it out a long time ago. Apparently he didn't. So it took months and months of time. And, and yeah. And uh, so he, he eventually finds out what it was and man, he just, he freaked out. He lost it. He did not think that was a prank at all. And, Everyone else thought it was funny except us, or except him. But yeah, that was a pretty right. good one. Was was it dry dog food or was it like a wet dog food? No, it was dog poop. So. Oh, dog! Oh, I'm sorry. It was dog poop. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. Uh, so that was, so it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it didn't work out too well. Was, yeah, I can't imagine he took that too well. No, he did not at all. He was he was very upset for uh for a good week or so. He did not let that one go. <laughs> did he uh do, did you ever find out if he paid if he paid the grounds crew back? Um I don't know. I mean he's I think he's the one that started it. Granted, we all agree that that was a little bit over the line, um, putting poop in someone's locker, but uh I don't know if he ever got him back after that, but um, sure. Hopefully it's all done and gone with now, and and everybody's happy. So we'll see. Absolutely, Jordan. We got about uh, thirty seconds left. I'm sorry we weren't able to get the full half hour in today for technical difficulties. I'd appreciate it if you'd be willing to come back on maybe uh, sometime in season or afterwards, and we can kind of have a full 
full interview then and kind of talk about uh, how everything went for you. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. I'm definitely willing to come back on. Excellent, excellent. Hey, I appreciate it, and uh, I know the White Sox fans are very excited to have you in their organization, and uh, I wish you the best of luck in 2018. Stay, stay, uh, make sure you stay healthy, and uh, good luck this year. Yes, sir. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. All right, everybody, that was Jordan Stevens. He is a prospect in the Chicago White Sox organization. I will be having Ryan Gridley on here momentarily. Ryan Gridley is he is a second base shortstop. He's 22 years old. He is in the Oakland Athletics organization. He was selected in the 17th round of the 2017 Major League Draft. Um, and Ryan is here now. We're going to talk about um, his minor leagues, and we're also going to um, talk about who somebody said that they reminded him of, and it's a pretty good comparison. It's, it's a comparison that's not too shabby. We're also going to re- ask Ryan how he's rehabbing from an injury to his left knee. How you doing today, Ryan? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm doing well. Hey, thank you so much for coming on. I I know you got uh, I know you got some stuff going on, but I appreciate you uh coming on and helping me out and uh you know, you're you're my second uh you're my one of my first prospects. So, it's cool to have a major league prospect on. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. No problem. Happy to help. So, let's just jump right in. So, you had a you were hampered by bone chips in your in your left knee. How's that? Uh, how's that? How are those doing, and how are you progressing health-wise? Yeah, I'm doing really well. So actually, um, I came into college my freshman year, and you really amp up lifting once you get into college, which is a fantastic thing. It really helps you get stronger and develop as a player and see what type of player you're going to become. And as I was lifting and getting stronger, um, part of my kneecap became detached from another part of my kneecap. So it basically split into one-third and then two-thirds. So the one-third had to be removed, and I didn't know that until uh, about a year and a half later. It took me some time to finally say, you know what, if I just get the surgery, I think I'll never have the pain again. I was scared to get it, so I kind of just rehabbed, and eventually I just went ahead and got it. And after I got it, I have not felt any pain in that spot ever again. Um, My doctor did a fantastic job of making sure that it was done cleanly, and I was just really appreciative of what he did. And um, I I think just getting that done for myself has really elevated my game because it's allowed me to train really hard throughout the offseason, and it's elongated my season, allowing me to play throughout the entire year uh, pain-free. So it's been great. Absolutely, absolutely. And you, uh, you went to Mississippi State, and you actually, uh, you actually won an award um, when you were in college. You won, you were in a uh, New York Ten League, and then the A's Fall Instructional League, and you were the co-winner of the Grinder Award. Can you tell people about that? That's right. Um, basically, for the A's organization, they, they do this thing where. Uh, they give a grinder award for somebody that shows 
the most hard or most effort throughout the entire camp. And I shared the award with Jesus Laje, who's a really good friend of mine in the infield um, from Venezuela. He's a great kid. Um, but it, we really enjoyed our experience in Instructs. It was cool getting to play with um, some of the players across uh, the organization, getting to see some of those guys, but also getting to face some of the better pitchers in other organizations and being able to talk to upper management throughout the Oakland A's organization. It was just a really good time being able to learn and develop with those guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, uh, you, well, you played for Vermont last year. Can you kind of talk a little bit about what that's like playing, playing in your first real season of minor league baseball at, at the professional level? Sure. Yeah. Vermont was a, was a really cool place. Um, Vermont, is the home of Centennial Field, which I believe is the oldest field in minor and major league baseball. I, I might be okay. I might be wrong there, but I'm I am almost positive that it is the oldest field. Um, it is a different atmosphere than Mississippi State. Mississippi State holds probably fifteen thousand people, sixteen thousand people at most, and we would get some of that sometimes, maybe during a big SEC weekend. And then when you go to Vermont, it's just a different atmosphere. It's more um, laid back. People are relaxed in the stands, enjoying themselves during the summertime. So it was cool to see the different aspects of minor league compared to um, SEC baseball. It was cool being able to swing the wood bat and try to get used to that. And um, one thing that was different throughout the Penn League was that when you're in the SEC, the grass is cut really tightly. So if you smoke a ball in the SEC, you really get rewarded. Um, whereas when you're in the, in Vermont and you're in the New York Penn league, the grass is really high. They cut the grass really high up there. So you could smoke a ground ball in the infield and it'll give that infielder just enough time to go pick up your ball and throw you at a first base. So there are some frustrating times of me trying to figure out, Hey, you know what? Maybe I need to hit some more line drives through the outfield rather than trying to bust it through the infield. Um, and I think that'll only help progress my game a little bit better, but those are just some some slight differences that I, that I recognized. Sure. Yeah. And you kind of talk about, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, last year in, uh, in playing for Vermont, you were talking about, you know, hitting the ball hard and the difference between, you know, doing it for Vermont and doing it for Mississippi state. 58% of the balls you hit were on the ground. Uh, So you're, you know, last year you were clearly a very heavy ground ball hitter. Can you talk about, maybe the adjustment it might take to get some of those balls into the air, which should help your slugging percentage. I mean, if you can, if you're hitting a ball on the ground and it's a sharp single, if you can, you know, get some of those balls up in the air, that might be a double to the gap and, and, you know, you get an extra base and possibly score an extra run. So can you kind of talk about what adjustment that takes? Exactly. So pretty much when you go throughout college, a lot of, a lot of the ideas of hitting in college are, hey, make sure let's hit a hard line drive through the infield right here. Let's get a nice hard line drive through the infield. And that works really, really well for some guys. Um, But for for me, I need to start thinking about going ahead and hitting a hard line drive off of the center field wall rather than hitting it through the infield. Get my sights a little bit higher, and that will allow the ball to travel a little bit more. So that's just a slight adjustment for me. But as far as uh, it's just an, it's another it's another difference between minor and major league. The terminology is way different. And in, in in minor I'm sorry minor league and SEC baseball, 
um, in minor leagues, they're really wanting you to drive the ball. They want you to see it through the gaps. And SEC play, hey, let's get on base. Um, let's see if we can hit it through the infield. So this is going to be a great opportunity this year for me to be able to see some of the things that I've been working on this off season come into play. Um, I've been really working on staying through my swing, seeing the ball go over and through the fence rather than just right through the infield that I've been working on the last couple of years in college. So I'm really hoping that my game transitions this year into a nice um, slugging percentage and a lot less balls on the ground, but more balls line drive in the air. That's my goal. Absolutely. And, and, you know, that, like you said too, you know, that'll come once you, once you get that full adjustment from, you know, Mississippi state and college to major league or to the, to the minor leagues. Um, but let's talk a little bit about defensively. So you play second base and shortstop. You kind of split time between both positions. You were pretty sure-handed for the Lake Monsters. You only made five errors and 246 total chances. Um, I mean, can you can you t- kind of talk about that? Because the minor league defensive coordinator Juan Navarrete. He really, he really had a lot of good things to say about your action and instincts. Can you, can you kind of talk about being when you're middle infielder, you kind of have to have your head on a swivel in a way. Can you, can you talk about that? And if you have a preference between second base or shortstop? Yeah. So first off, Juan Navarro is an awesome, awesome guy. He taught me some really cool things throughout instructional league i really appreciated meeting up with him um just such an easy guy to talk to and he really um transfers information cleanly and it's really easy for me to understand and then progressing into my game so i really appreciated him going out of his way to show me some cool things we worked on ready position as far as ready position in college i was always a really geared up guy I really wanted to put all my energy into every single play And what Juan talked to me a lot about was, hey, let's maybe take a little bit of energy off before the play even starts. So when the pitcher's in his windup, let's go ahead and stay relaxed rather than starting to get in our balls of feet, starting to get really energetic and get going. Let's stay back, stay relaxed. Then once the pitch goes, bounce on your feet, just a little bounce, rather than taking 15 steps toward the hitter, which is what I was doing. So I was just exerting too much energy. Um, and then I went to the minors, and Juan talked to me all about this, and it, it allowed me to have a lot more range. It allowed me to save a lot more energy throughout games and be able to, you know, I, I feel like it helped me not even uh, get injured throughout the end of the year. And so that was just one little adjustment for me. Um, another thing, too, that I worked on a ton and that I'm still working on this offseason was my backhand, was just making sure that when I when I have a chance to have a backhand is staying down and then coming through the ball instead of coming back with a backhand. Um, a lot of guys, uh, for me, a misconception was to kind of let the ball ride a little bit into your glove and then make the play. I really want to be aggressive with it now. I, I want to go get the ball just like I would go get a regular ground ball right at me. And that's going to take my momentum towards first base. So that's just some technical stuff that I've been thinking about. Um, But I think that'll really help me be even more consistent, maybe even make some more plays this year. That's my goal. But as far as Juan, he he did a fantastic job of directing me and kind of showing me the way in my first half season. And some of the things that I'm working on right now here at Mississippi State, I think is going to even help me have a better season. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, 
one thing that I've kind of always been interested in, I'm a big baseball fan on all levels, minor league, major league, and college, as well as, you know, even going down to the little, watching the little league world series. Can you talk to people about what the difference is between using a wooden bat and an aluminum bat? Because in college, I believe you use aluminum bats. And once you get to the minors, I believe you use wooden bats. Can you kind of talk about that being a hitter? What, how that's different and if you have to change your approach at all? Yeah. So for, so from the time you are eight to whatever years old, whenever you start playing baseball, you're given an aluminum bat and that bat is actually pretty light. It feels really good in your hands. And then by the time you become maybe 12, 13 years old during summer league games, you start using some wood bat tournaments and they're just gradually getting you ready. Um, when you get into college, you play aluminum bat during the year, and then you, in summer ball, go and play all wood bat through the entire summer. So there is a slow pr- progression, a little transition into minor leagues. It's not the first time you ever really start swinging a wood bat. Um, they do kind of gradually get you ready. I think the Cape Cod League did me some wonders um, being able to handle a wood bat against some really, really good live arms, and that allowed me to be ready for what I was going to expect to see um it's just a different it's a different feel usually wood bats are a little bit heavier the sweet spot is a little less but man there's nothing like drilling a ball right where you want it on that sweet spot on a wood bat it just it feels like nothing even touches your bat and the ball just goes so i I think i appreciate wood bats even more than metal bats because they're so rewarding that that's awesome that's awesome so uh, my A's minor league hitting coach Eric Martins really, really kind of sang your praises during um, instructionals. Here's here's what he had to say. I'm going to read you a quote directly from him. It's got a player comp in it, and then I kind of want to get your thoughts on it. He said uh, about you. He said I really like him. He reminds me of a young Brett Boone. We try not to put that comp on him, but he's small in stature but strong. He's physical. He takes an aggressive swing and can drive the baseball. He plays with the passion and plays the game hard and the right way. I like the way the kid gets after it, and I think he has a chance to be one of those guys who overachieves a little bit and gets past certain things and levels because of his physicality and versatility on defense. You talked about, you know, wanting to be aggressive and always, you know, being hyped and, and, and you know, wanting to go get the ball. What's, you know, how does it, what's it like to hear, you know, the minor league coach saying basically you remind him of, of a Brett Boone and he likes the way you get after it? Yeah, Imar, he's a great guy. Um, it's funny because during instructional league, we would go back and forth. I'm I'm a big smack talker, and uh, sometimes I went out of my place a little bit, and and I would smack talk him because he'd be throwing me BP, but he would really get me hyped up for games, and uh, we we had a really good time with that. Um, but I, it was it was really nice to him to sing my praises in some of those um, blogs. I'm not sure where you're exactly reading that from. Um, but I definitely had a great time with him. And as far as the, the Brett Boone comp, I really like that. Um, I, you know, I even told him, I was like, listen, I don't even know who Brett Boone is. I know who Aaron Boone is, and I'm pretty sure that they're related. <laughs> and then they went ahead and, <laughs> you know, it's a little bit past my time, but they went ahead and explained to me, you got to be kidding me, man. This is, they showed me who he was, his swing. 
And I could see it, yeah. Um, I, I'm trying to play the game physical. I'm trying to damage the ball when I'm in the box. I'm not trying to slap it somewhere. I'm trying to hurt it. You know, I might be 5'8", um, but I'm, I am going to give you every single bit of what I got into the baseball. I'm going to drive the thing with everything I've got. So even though I'm small of stature, um, I, I work out and uh, I, I feel like I'm pretty physical in the box. That's, that's what I pride myself with as well as with base running. I want to be physical with base running. I want to be physical on defense. I don't want to be passive. That's that's the way I play the game, and I think that's what's going to elevate me to the big leagues. Absolutely, absolutely. That hunger to uh, that hunger to go out, as the coach said, get after it, absolutely. So you, got, uh, you were drafted in the 11th round in last year's draft. Obviously, you know, I had uh, Jordan Stevens on for a few minutes, and he said – his draft experience was a blur. What was it like for you to get that call? And then tell me who, what player, have you met any players that kind of left you starstruck? Oh, man, that day was really cool. It's a three-day process. Uh, I was drafted on the third day, and I got a lot of calls on the second day, you know, say, oh, we might take you here, we might take you here. Um, so you're just kind of on edge. It's a weird thing. I knew that I was going to be picked up by a team. I knew I was ready to be picked up. Um, but I just didn't know who it was going to be. And I didn't know when, I think I met with just about every single, um, scout from every single team. And it was, it was difficult for me to tell which team was going to take me, where it was going to be, um, numbers wise, what numbers were we going to work out together? So it it was, it was weird. I, I would say I was, I don't know if I was really stressed about it. I was just kind of curious about, you know, what am I going to be doing? This is my future. And uh, I remember sitting in my bed at home, and I, it, the day had just started. I, and within, like, five minutes, I look on the board, and I, I'll never forget it because it said draft number X, Y, whatever it was. And uh, he said, uh, select Mississippi State shortstop Ryan Gridley. And I was like, what? Is there another Ryan Gridley out there? Like, I I guess that's me. So I, I guess I'm going to the I guess I'm going to the Oakland A's, and uh, sure enough, I got the call from my area scout, and he said, "Hey man, we just took you," and I was like, "That's awesome." So we had all we had worked it out, and I knew that I was ready. This is a dream of mine that I'd had my entire life, and and I, I knew I was ready to prove it to some people that hey, you know, I, I'm ready to go, and I think that, that I'm even better than what you guys think I am. I'm going to show you, and I'm going to prove it to you that I'm I'm an elite player. So that was kind of my I, – I was happy about it, but I was also even more hungry to show them, you know, you guys got a great player, but I think you got, you guys got a steal right here. Right. right. So kind of, kind of to validate their uh, draft pick that, you know, hey, I may have been taken in the 11th round, but I'm going to make it worth it. Exactly. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you guys that you got one of the better picks in the draft. That's my goal. Absolutely. Absolutely. Who have you met since you got drafted that left you in awe and that made you starstruck? Oh, man. Um, you know what? As far as – first off, I, the experience I had in Vermont was incredible just because there's so many college guys, and that's pretty rare for a team to have as many college guys as we had. We all bonded extremely quickly. So, I, wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't say I was, like, starstruck. These guys are all my peers. But, man, I had, a, I had such a blast being able to play with some of those guys from other schools that I had known who they are, but I didn't really know their personalities. And then once I met those guys, it just made me really appreciate that I was drafted by the A's. And 
the way their organization runs things and the way they choose their players. I think it was really smart. So that was really, really cool for me. Um, let me think about some players. In Instructs, I, I met some really good players. Brett Graves was a really, really nice guy. Went to church with him a couple times. Um, trying to think of some other players. Logan Shore went to Florida. I saw him. I, you know, I'm not starstruck around these guys. These are guys that I'll play against, but they're really nice guys, and I, they're going to be really good players. Um, trying you, to think of some have other. You any, have you met any MLB guys that you've been like? Have you met like Mike Trout or Bryce Harper? Anybody since? Not, they're like, hey, not good yet. luck. No, I, I, I would I would love to talk to those guys and you know ask them about hitting <laughs> and stuff. I wouldn't say that I would right. be starstruck just because, you know, I think I'm a good player as well. I think I could right. possibly be up to their situation one day. I would just love to pick their ear, pick their brain. Um, one guy that Absolutely. I really liked was Jacob Brugman with the A's. Uh, I think he just got traded yeah. to Tampa Bay. Maybe. I, I'm not sure exactly. Uh, but he was a really, really nice guy. Just went out of his way to approach me and say hello and introduce himself, which really goes a long way with me. Absolutely. Let's switch gears a little bit. You know, obviously when you, when you're playing, you know, you might think of it as entertainment. Some of us might think of it as you have a job to do. You might think of it as a job to do, but can you kind of talk about the fans? So, you know, a lot of, a lot of fans, myself included, we collect autographs and memorabilia and things like that. And has it been weird for you to, have people come up to you and ask you for your autograph or to send you fan mail and be like, Hey, Brian, will you sign this for me? Is that, has that been kind of a weird experience? You know, it really hasn't been that weird for me just because at Mississippi state, the fan base is so incredible. And just, there's so many people that really care about the program uh, that it, I, I felt like it was completely normal for for people to come up to me at, you know, at Mississippi state, you could be eating a steak at a restaurant and somebody will come up to you and, and say, oh, my gosh, this is my son. Please meet me. It happens all the time. That's why Mississippi State is, is such a great university, and I would suggest that anybody that is considering, you know, whether they should go in the draft or go to college, man, college was just such an incredible experience, especially at the school and the opportunity that I was given. Um, but as far as that goes, I, I think some of the some of the weirdest situations for me – where when some people um, wanted to get my autograph, but I could tell that they were just in it to kind of sell the card. They didn't really want to sure. have the autograph to just have it as memorabilia. Um, and you, sure. you would see some guys say, hey, here's here's like a binder full of things. Sign all 50 of them. And you're like, come on, man. Like, right. just I'll sign one of them, sure. But like, what, what are we doing here? You know, like it's it's right. 1230 on a, on a Wednesday afternoon. Let's see if we can go get a job or something. So, but it was really cool when you'd see a little kid coming up to you. Uh, but that was, those were some – we would joke about that as players, as, that some fans are really into it like that, but some fans also want to profit off you. So it's just a funny gig. Absolutely. And, and I'm assuming that as players, like you mentioned, you guys can tell kind of who the, I guess, quote-unquote dealers are and who the people that are going to keep them, like myself, for collections or – for sentimental purposes, you guys can kind of tell the difference, I would assume, correct? Oh, you can spot it in a second. And it's funny because some of our, <laughs> some of my teammates and myself, um, I, I actually, sometimes I would say, you know what, I'm not signing for this guy. And some of them would get quite upset, but 
we tried to stick with our guns with the guys that we thought were uh, trying to sell the cards and we would, we would go ahead and sign for the guys that just, you know, wanted the cards for themselves. So <laughs> it was hard to draw the, the fine line, but some guys, some guys just had to bite their tongue, I guess. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's, uh, let's switch gears here. Cause there's Ryan Gridley, the baseball player. And then there's Ryan Gridley, the person. So tell people who we got about six minutes and some change here. And I know you got something going on here and I have to get back to work, but go ahead and tell us about uh, who Ryan Gridley is when he's not playing baseball. Tell me, tell me some of your hobbies, your interests. Tell me a little bit about you. All right. Well, I was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, so I am a huge, huge Steelers fan. Unfortunately, they lost in the playoffs this year. Um, that's something my dad and I are always doing. We're always paying attention to the Steelers. I grew up a Braves fan because I'm the, from the Atlanta area. Uh, we moved to Atlanta when I was about three years old, and we've lived there ever since. I'm 22, 22 now, so it's been quite some time that we've been in that house in Atlanta. And we've really enjoyed that. There's some really cool places to go hiking there and um, we, we really enjoy our church that we go to there. It's called North Point Community Church um, with Andy Stanley as our pastor. And I loved my high school that I went to when I was growing up. It was called Milton High School. It was actually the high school that Dexter Fowler went to as well. And okay. he won a state yep. championship okay. there. We, we won a state championship. Um, I grew up playing with Dylan Cease. He's one of the top prospects in the MLB. He plays with the White yep. Sox. He used to be on the Cubs, traded to the White Sox. He's a really good buddy of mine, but while I was growing up, I played at an organization called East Cobb, um, and that was a travel ball organization. So I was always kind of preparing myself to be uh, a major league player one day, even when I was that young, because we were traveling around almost every single day in the summer playing with wood bats against other players. And I played with some really good players growing up. I played with, uh, shoot, Michael Chavis. You have Tyler Stevenson with the Reds, who's a really good prospect with sure. them. Yeah, I mean, across absolutely. the board. Yep. So, you, I mean, every, you can look at every single team. You can go on every single top 30 team, and there's almost one player from each organization or even in the big league that's from East Cobb. It's, it's just crazy. And I got to play with all those guys growing up. And it made me better as a player. It made me better as a person to be able to compete and to see the type of work ethic it took to become a really, really good player and a good person as well. So that was really cool. That was, that was a lot of my childhood was going to those tournaments, going to those games, and playing and learning from those people. So I really enjoyed that. I uh, went to college at Mississippi State, really enjoyed my time here. I had three really solid years that I enjoyed. I got better every single year. Um, I love the studies here. I, liked, I was a business administration major. I really enjoy studying business. I could see myself possibly even running a business one day. I'm not sure exactly what that'll be, uh, but I definitely have that in my heart to want to do that. But that's just a little bit about myself and what I've been through the past couple of years. And just like I said, I really enjoyed Mississippi State and in the experience I had here, I would recommend to any kid to go to college to enjoy themselves and to uh, figure out who they are as a person. Those are some really good years to learn a lot about yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. We got about uh, three minutes left here and we both got to go, but I'd like to do a little bit of word association here with you real quick um, before we, before we sign off, I'm going to give you a name and I want you to just kind of give me a sentence or two about the first thing that pops into your head. Cool. Yeah, go ahead. All right. Let's start with this. Oakland athletics. 
Man, um, just dream team. That's that's the team that I want to be on in the big leagues right now. I, I, I want to get to the bigs with them. Atlanta Braves. Hometown kid. That's That would be my favorite team growing up right there. Chipper Jones. Man, one of my favorite players growing up. Everyone loved him. Incredible third baseman. He actually lives in Milton, Georgia, which is where I'm from. So, you know, sometimes I might even be eating at a Chipotle and I'll be, I'll look up and I'll see Chipper Jones, which is crazy to say. Um, or I remember the other day, my friends and I were eating and we looked up and saw John Smoltz. So it's pretty cool. Okay. Absolutely. Vermont Lake Monsters. Champ the Monster. That was our uh, mascot. And he, before the games, would ride an ATV and uh, do some sp- circles around home plate right before the game started. So <laughs> that is definitely what I think about when I think about Vermont. Your favorite player in Major League Baseball right now? Got to be the yourself. MVP. Got to be the MVP, Jose Altuve. I mean, that guy, he is the epitome of baseball. I mean, just complete grinder, has every single skill set, and he's smaller than everyone else on the field. That's exactly the type of player that I want to be and resemble myself as. The the toughest pitcher, the pitcher that you want to face the most in the major leagues. The pitcher in the major leagues. Oh, man. The pitcher that I want to face the most in the major leagues. Are we are we thinking righty or lefty or is this any pitcher? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Okay. I would love to fl- I would love to face Clayton Kershaw the most. I think I would I would really enjoy if I got a hit off him. I think I'd be extremely happy. All right. I got one more for you, Mike Trout. Mike Trout got to be the best player in the league throughout the past five years. I mean, what has he finished? Top three and MVP voting, even this year he got hurt and then goes ahead and finishes what top three again. I mean, he's, he is the next best player, maybe one of the greatest of all time baseball players. And we'll see that throughout the years, if he can really become that, but man, what a, what a talented player. And obviously the angels, they got that new prospect from Japan um, could have a great year. So we will see about that. Ryan, we got about seven seconds left. I really, I can't thank you enough for coming on and giving me some of your time today. Best of luck this season, and uh, I'm going to let you go, but best of luck and thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Absolutely, no problem. Thanks. Take care. All right, goodbye. Bye.